0: Energy. I am done talking about Mac Jones. As far as I am concerned, Mac Jones is no longer on the New England Patriots. The passion. I am very, very happy that the state of Vermont has legalized sports gambling. I just don't know if after my weekend, I can partake in it anymore. The opinions on all your favorite teams. This isn't Craig Breslow's fault. The Red Sox are not the Red Sox of old but it's an ownership directive. Direct your anger at them. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEB AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. I am back. It is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM, and FM, and WDEVradio.com. We've got a show tonight that takes you up until 645. We've got... Lamoille and Spalding basketball. Brent Curtis on the call at that time. The tip-off is 7 o'clock. We were getting down to the very end of the regular season here in Vermont high school basketball. So Brent Curtis, again, 645. We do have a lot to get to. I want to talk about UVM hoops and the win yesterday for the men. Aaron Deloney, John Becker hit some nice milestones in that one. The women have a huge game tomorrow. I want to encourage you to watch as they take on Maine in a battle for, you know, at least a share of first place and a potential number one seed in the American East playoffs. We got Tom Karen of Nesson with us at about 6.05 today talking live from, you know, talking from spring training. Pitchers and catchers are there for the Red Sox. They're in Fort Myers. No matter what we think about the Red Sox season ahead, it always starts in Fort Myers, and that's where TC is getting ready. So, thoughts on Alex Cora. Thoughts on kind of the state of the pitching staff. Thoughts on if the Red Sox will make any more moves. TC will have all of that. So, I am here. Danny is here. You are here. The text line is open, 802 3026. I want to thank Lee for filling in for me from a, uh, from a news perspective. And, uh, you know, he did a great job as he always does. Um, Danny, how, how are your last three days or so? They were good. Did you get some, you know, a little R&R yourself? I mean, you're obviously working hard. You're in here all day as it is, but you know, I didn't have to stay as late the last couple of days, I hope.
1: Yeah. I got to do a couple hours from home. So that was nice.
0: Good. Well, I'm glad. I'm sorry to be the guy who keeps you here later today. So, um, but I'm glad that you're here as well. So again, text line open 802-585-3026. Danny, let go.
1: Five, four, three, two, one, and here
0: we go. The opening thoughts of the Brady Farca Show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber. Vermont's most Complete, locally owned home center, upstate New York as well. Locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They are online at sticksandstuff.com. Rouse's Point, New York also. Um, this is one of the more interesting weeks. So next week, too, to a degree. One of the more interesting weeks in the sports radio calendar. Everybody thinks... That the Major League Baseball All-Star Break is kind of the most dead week in sports radio. And it's, it's, it's up there. This time frame is kind of in that as well. We do have the NHL. We do have college hoops, but baseball is kind of going, but not really going. Football is on the way out. The NBA is on the All-Star Break. So there are a little less storylines. There are, you know, a little fewer storylines to talk about right now. We've got things to talk about, but also we're not going to force something that's not there down your throat so we're just going to talk a little bit at the start of this show tc is going to be here i want to get to uvm but we're just going to talk a little bit at the start of this show i had the very rare uh midweek vacation this week danny right like you know a lot of people go away for three days and it'll be a you know it'll be a three-day weekend hey you're going to take friday off you're going to take monday off or maybe you're going to go with president's day you're going to take monday off that way i had the rare three-day midweek vacation, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Jess and I went away. We spent the week in Lake Placid, and it was awesome. Now, I've been to Lake Placid before, but, you know, you go places, and you kind of go at different points of your life, and so you realize different things. You appreciate different things about the trip, right? I went to Lake Placid with my family when I was a kid. Jess and I went to Lake Placid kind of, you know, in our first two years of being together. We've been together for 10 years now. And we went to Lake Placid this time. And, you know, you see different things. You go different places. You try different food. You've got a little more money so you can eat at the more expensive restaurant. You know, all that kind of stuff. So it was awesome. And I have totally underrated how great and cool a place Lake Placid is. And I've often said, and I think we all kind of agree with this, whenever you are from somewhere, the things in your state – tend to not be novelties to you, right? They just kind of tend to be there. You tend to take them for granted. So, like, when I grew up in New York and people would say, oh, have you been to New York City, have you been to Statue of Liberty, have you been to the Empire State Building? I could not care less about New York City, right? I don't like New York City. I don't want to go to New York City. I have no desire to be in New York City. When friends suggest let's go to New York, I roll my eyes at it. So, like, New York City is not a novelty to me. Everybody else in the world wants to come to New York City, wants to see New York. I could be fine if I never went to New York City again in my life. I don't look, obviously, down upon Lake Placid in that way, but Lake Placid was always two hours away from me. It was never a place that I was like, oh, let's go to Lake Placid, let's go to Lake Placid. It was never that place to me. Right? Like, I think a lot of Vermonters, you get, you, you, you turn 18, you go to Montreal, and then at some point Montreal loses its appeal to you, just kind of take it for granted. Like, I, I never went to Montreal. I want to go to Montreal. I like Montreal. But the, the novelty hasn't worn off to me. Lake Placid is a place that was always so close to me that I just kind of always overlooked it. Even though I've been three times, I never really thought about going back. I just always overlooked it. And really able to appreciate it on this trip. It was incredible. And it was incredible for a lot of different ways. You could feel the quaintness to it. You could feel the serenity to it. It actually did snow a little bit, something that's a novel concept in this winter. So we got actual winter temperatures with winter weather, and it felt like winter, and you got holiday lights everywhere, and, you know, it still felt like Christmas even though it's not. And you could feel that, and you could feel the, the energy of town. You could feel the history of town, and you could start to think to yourself, man, the Olympics got held here in 1932 and in 1980. And you could just wonder, like, where did the athletes stay? All the athletes that were here. And just like my mind at least just starts wandering with just wondering about the stories. Like, well, what was that building back in 1932? And was that building here? And what about that shop? And what about that restaurant? And like, who's eating here? That I, my mind was running like that all week long. I just, I love things like that. I have long said, Cooperstown is the one place in New York that I don't, you know, I never overlooked. Cooperstown to me has always been like my favorite place in the world. I've often told people I could retire to Cooperstown because it has the same kind of feeling. Well, Lake Placid is now up there for me with Cooperstown in terms of, like, I could retire to Lake Placid. It was beautiful. And, Danny, have you ever been to Lake Placid? I have. Like, recently or as a kid or both or what?
1: Uh, Within the last Five years, I think.
0: Okay. Was that your first and only time there? Yes.
1: Yes. My what brother's you... wife is actually from Lake Placid. She grew up there.
0: Oh, really? Oh, okay. So what did you do? And you guys, so you had a local, did you have a tour guide? Like the, your sister-in-law was your tour guide basically? Yeah, pretty
1: much. Uh, I believe it was during the summer, so we didn't get to see the winter experience you got, but we got to see the, uh, the ski jump, I remember, really well. That was pretty cool to see how uh, far that goes down
0: yeah you know it was interesting too. I forgot about this. actually. I went to Lake Plaza two summers ago to play baseball in the in the Vermont men's League. There was a team from Lake Plaza that entered for one summer, so our field was right next to the Olympic ski jump. I didn't do anything else in town, didn't eat, didn't go anywhere, but um we're playing right next to the Olympic ski jump, so that was a cool experience too. but that was a different kind of trip. So we got there on Tuesday and we ate at this barbecue place called The Pickled Pick and it was right across from the Olympic Center. And you know the, the way it's kind of if you've never been there, the way it's kind of um, low, you know, the way it's kind of laid out is you pull in to town, you come on Main Street, and Main Street's fairly long, right? It's longer than Main Street in Burlington, it's longer than Church Street in Burlington. But you go onto Main Street and you see a big giant oval. And the oval is an outdoor skating rink. And that is where in the Olympics they had the 1932 opening ceremonies and in 1980 they did the Olympic speed skating competitions. They actually did the speed skating competitions outside, which is crazy to me because I just think about like, what if you're doing the Olympic speed skating and it is snowing and it's hard to see and you've got, to, you know, and you see the pictures of there's just snow piled up along the side. There's snow piled up in between the, uh, you know, in between the competitors and I'm like how did you have an olympics like this where weather could be such a th- you know such an impactful thing but they did so you've got the the big oval there and then kind of up the hill from the big oval but right next to it but it's just up a little hill is this giant this just this giant building and the giant building is What is now an Olympic museum, which wasn't there the last time that we were there. So an Olympic museum. They've got the 1932 hockey rink, the 1980 Olympic hockey rink where the Miracle on Ice was played. And Al Michaels, Do You Believe in Miracles, et cetera. So that's housed in this building. And they've got a brand-new restaurant in there. And there's also an observatory. And, Danny, one of the things I love about Lake Placid, one of the things you don't know about me, Danny, and one of the things that's really a weird quirk about me is I love flags. Like, I used to go into the World Book Encyclopedia, which you're not even old enough to probably know what that is. But the World Book Encyclopedias were just these volumes of books, right? There was an A Encyclopedia, B, C, D, E, F. So, you know, my family was fortunate to have every letter of the World Book Encyclopedia. And I would go to the F, and I would look at flags, and I would just study the flags of the world. So I love flags. And one of my favorite things about Lake Placid is that when you're on this observatory, You can see all the flags, all the flagpoles, all the flags of the 1980 Olympics, and that's as they were. So the Soviet Union is there, and my mom would tell me a story about like how chilling it was to see the Soviet Union's flag in 1980 and kind of what that represented, and, like, that's still there in Lake Placid. And the countries that didn't exist in 1980, you know, Ukraine doesn't exist. So, like, their flag's not there because they weren't in the Olympics. They were part of the Soviet Union. So it's just crazy. Like, it's just this look back in time, all the flags, as they were in 1980, the countries that were there, the countries that weren't there, that are new to the map. It's just fascinating. So we we went to the Pickled Pig on Tuesday night. And what a cool name, by the way. So Pickled Pig on Tuesday night got the world's biggest plate of poutine. We were going to get an appetizer, and then we were going to each get an entree. The poutine came out. Danny, it was like the size of – I'm trying to think, like, what I can picture it to be. Like the size of a wreath you would hang on your door. Like That's how big the poutine was. So we ended up – we didn't get an entree. We got just the appetizer, and then we got another appetizer of Chicken Wings, and that was our meal. It was just two appetizers, but they were – Massive. Had a couple drinks, stayed out until like 1130 or so. Somehow I found the only Ubers I think that exist in Lake Placid, both going there and coming back. Didn't have to walk in the cold or the snow. That was a great one for the win. And then we went back and went to bed or so at midnight. So Wednesday, we went to the Olympic Museum and that was an unbelievable experience. Like, Danny, I don't know if you're a museum guy, but whenever I see things that are memorials, placards, whatever, I have to read them. You know, like you drive around the state of Vermont and you'll see on the side of the road, like, the little pole that has the little thing that you read on. And it'll say, like, you know, the Ethan Allen boys were once here. Like, I will always stop and read those things. You'll walk along the Burlington waterfront and you'll read the little note cards about, like, Well, Lake Champlain was big in the 1500s, and it was discovered by this guy. And by 1790, it was a leading seaport. And by, you know, 1970, half the world's economy flowed through here, whatever. I will read all of those things all the time. So we go to the Olympic Museum, and it is one floor. It's not a Olympic museum. It's a Lake Placid Olympic Museum. So... It is a 1932 and a 1980 museum. And it talks about, you know, how did Lake Placid get the Olympics in 32? And it was basically just a guy. You know, I don't know all the history, so I don't want to get it wrong. But the Olympics started in Greece before, like, before Jesus was born, right? They had Olympics. The city-states would play each other and things. And then Greece got, you know, whatever, taken over. And then the Olympics got taken away and discarded. And then the modern Olympics started, I believe, sometime around 1900. So there had been like four Winter Olympics or three Winter Olympics before Lake Placid got them in 32. But somebody basically just said like, Hey, we want to do this. And Lake Placid ends up getting the 32 Olympics. So you're reading about that process and how it went about. And then how did they build the facilities? And I want to say there were only 17 countries at the 1932 Olympics. I want to say there was only seven sports including bobsled and hockey and hockey and only which four teams played, but you still go about building all of these facilities. And then they do it again in 1980. And so you're, you know, kind of just traveling through time, right? You're learning from where it was at the beginning to where it was at the end. And how did they upkeep the facilities between 32 and 80? And, you know, how did you, you know, how did the opening ceremonies work and how did, here's a picture of what a gold medal looked like or what a medal looked like at these Olympics. They had a, a, cool thing on Olympic uniforms that were worn at that time. And they actually, one thing they had Danny that was through all of the winter Olympics was they had a torch that the torch bearer torch bearer will run with from every winter Olympics from, you know, 1924 all the way up until 2022 in Beijing. And you would see just like how different they were and how ornate they got and how much they weigh and all of that. And then, you go into the the Miracle on Ice thing, and there's a video, you know, ten minute video, kind of talking about what the Miracle on Ice was, how it, you know, what it meant. The reminder that, by the way, the Miracle on Ice game was not actually the gold medal match. We still had to come and beat Finland the next next day, and we did. They have the goal from the Miracle on Ice, where the winning goal was scored. They have the, you know, Jim Craig's goalie stick. I mean, it was just so cool. I got to stand on the Olympic podium, and, you know, they were the, the little boxes where it's like gold, silver, bronze. I stood on the gold medal box, so that was awesome and took a lot of pictures. And that was the thing I wanted to do the most. And then, you know, Wednesday was Valentine's Day, so we went out to a nice dinner, you know, on the water there, which on the ice at this point it was so cold. And then, uh, let's see, that, that brought us Thursday. We went to Saranac Lake. We did something completely out of my comfort zone danny not out of my comfort zone but out of my like stream of thought curling no i had nothing to do with sports jess is a big animal lover and she has made me into an animal lover as has the state of vermont in general but like i never had pets growing up we have a dog now so we drove to saranac lake and we went to the new york state like department of loons a loon is a bird that lives on the water. You may know this, Danny. This may mean nothing to you. But a loon is a bird that lives on the water. And you can see loons all over the Adirondacks. And I'm sure there are loons in the state of Vermont. And I'm sure they are around Lake Champlain, too. But we went to a loon museum. And, you know, it was very small. One room, but... Learned about them, how they fly, why they don't fly as far as other beer, birds, why they don't fly as fast as other birds, but why they're better swimmers than other birds, and that was fascinating too. And so we were in Saranac Lake for a while. And then we went to the Lake Placid Pub and Brewery, which I got a Carolina Gold barbecue chicken sandwich, which was one of the best sandwiches i ever had in my life. That was awesome. And uh.
1: Not better than the Brave Marcus Sub though.
0: No. For, nothing's better than the pretty farcus. Did you go to the Lake Placid Pub and Brewery, or did you just get home cooking from your sister-in-law's family?
1: Uh we went to a deli around there, and I can't remember the name. Um, I would have to ask my brother because it's his favorite place to go when they go there.
0: Oh, really? Oh, cool. So, um, went to the pub and brewery last night. We went to dinner at the hotel restaurant because it was, uh, it was, you know, it was gonna snow it ended up snowing like three inches or something but it was like zero degrees it's very very windy i didn't really want to drive in it you know the hotel was actually up a very big hill so i didn't want to come down the hill i didn't want to go up the hill so we stayed at the uh, um, stayed at the hotel restaurant i did something i never do i bought a 35 dollar steak which i think is probably fairly affordable by hotel restaurant standards but like I would never usually buy myself a $35 steak. But I i was like, hey, last day of vacation. So I splurged, got the $35 steak. It was pretty good. I don't know that I know the difference between a $35 steak and a $17 steak or a $70 steak, but it was good. I can tell you that. It was good. I don't need to go and spend almost $40 on a steak for myself again, but I decided last day of vacation, not going to go on vacation for a while again. It was worth it. So, and then, you know, did some work this morning, kind of prepared for the show early today, and then, you know, drove back and, and got back into the office at you know 1.30 or two or so. But it was a uh, awesome week, awesome week. Highly recommend going to Lake Placid. Like I said, it has that quaintness, it has that you know cutesy New England style town, but also all the history, all the sports stuff. Really is kind of a a fun catch all for everything. And Danny, you went in the summer. I was talking to the to the guy at the hotel bar one night, the bartender, and I was just like, hey, is winter or summer, like, how much bigger is winter than summer? He said, it's not, which shocked me. That was one of the more shocking things that I learned on this trip. I would have thought, like, winter was where the business comes in, right? You're there for skiing. You're there for hockey. You're there for bobsled. You're there for whatever winter events. Is I like, actually, people come up here. They hike. They cycle. They're on trails, like the, like, we do an Iron Man in Lake Placid. There's a horse show that, you know, goes on for two weeks, and I'm like, that shocks me that that's the case, but evidently it was. So Yeah, it was
1: busy when we went to. so just a random Saturday, but yeah, a lot of it, people.
0: It was getting busy yesterday for us. You know, one of the advantages of going, I guess, you know, Tuesday through Thursday, and I didn't really think about this when I planned the trip. Like, I planned the trip based on it being around Valentine's Day, right? Like, I, if Valentine's Day had been on a weekend – we would have gone on a weekend, but Valentine's Day fell in the middle of the week, so I was like, well, hey, let's just do it this way. The They said that the crowds really come in Thursday through Saturday, right, because you're there for a kids' hockey tournament, you're there for a skiing event, you're there to ski, you know, with your buddies or whatever. This week it's President's Week, so maybe they were going to push it back, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, people are going to do trips. So it wasn't overly crowded for us until yesterday it started to really kind of – uh you know, it really started to take hold, but it was awesome. I, you know, the things that are close to you, I just don't take for granted. That would be, that would be, if, if a 15 minute to be storytelling, that would be my takeaway. Don't take things for granted just because they're near you. You know, they're cool whether you, you know, whether you grew up near them or not. So Lake Placid, Cooperstown, those are places I could live. Those are places I could retire. I love the history of it. Got a chance to go. And do a lot of things. And even, like I said, the, the Loon Observatory or whatever that thing was, that was very, very cool. Um, let's see. Peter and Williston says, uh, welcome back, Brady and Danny. And Texter says, randomly, I want to know if you ever got the Stu Gatz interview for Danny Hoops. That answer is no. We were stood up and that makes me disappointed. Um,
1: typical Stu Gatz though.
0: Yeah. You told me that was gonna happen. I did. Um
1: Mary you could text no, him again and he'll text you back and say, I'll get I'll come on and then he won't come on.
0: And I think that's ridiculous. And Stu Gotts had a good thing. We talked to him a handful of times. Like before Stu Gotts was as big as Stu Gots was, we were talking with him, and, you know, I was interviewing him and I'm like, Well, hey, I, I was there on the come up, why am I not gonna be there when you're at the top and I'm getting dogged now and I don't appreciate it?
1: He needs to hire a manager for himself. <laughs> he to, like he can't manage his own time. Or
0: he needs to have a little more niceness, frankly. Is all I would say. Like a little more considerate uh, consideration for those of us.
1: The cross mitzvah is what they call it. It was either a cross game or a bar mitzvah that he was going to. It was always his excuse the last <laughs> decade. So they just combined it.
0: Mary over in Randolph says, "Sounds like I need to make a road trip to Lake Placid. My last and only visit there." was the 80 Olympics, and we saw Eric Hayden practicing and the hockey team on the ice before a game. Amazing. Danny, I I am a huge Olympics fan. Like, I love the Olympics, right? When you put the nationalities behind it, I'm all in. But I don't want to be a hypocrite, right? Like, I don't watch swimming any other time other than the Olympics. I don't watch gymnastics any other time, figure skating. I'll watch them all for two weeks. I'll never watch them again until the next Olympics. We
1: forget how much it takes to qualify even for the Olympics.
0: Oh, I... Love Olympic speed skating, right? Again, I would never watch it if it's not the Olympics, but I love Olympic speed skating. The fact that Eric Heiden won five gold medals in the 1980 Olympics, he won every single gold medal in every single event. And I may have the distances wrong, but the 500-meter sprint to, I believe, what is the 1,000 to what I believe is the 5,000, the 10,000, the 15,000, he won them all. Now, there are team events that I don't know if they existed in 1980, but he won every individual goal. He won five gold medals which is insane and he won them in all disciplines it has not been matched has not been done and he did that in Lake Placid and uh it was I I again Mary says oh I should take a road trip yeah you should take a road trip it was very very cool and uh I will I will definitely not make it eight years you know between visits again and now that i know danny's got family there i'm gonna have a free place to stay next time i hope right
1: i don't know if they still live there
0: oh the in-laws don't live there well, i'm not sure actually in laws yeah
1: yeah okay. they, they could find you a place i'm sure but it's not going to be cheap
0: well what's the point of having connections if i can't get a deal well
1: like, i maybe they could find you the cheapest place but
0: yeah if you went i don't there, know I, if you say
1: I, their name I, I don't know if that's going to work
0: if you went there, I'm sure they could hook you up with something. Probably. So if why I I would have to I be with my, my
1: brother though. I don't think just me alone would would do it.
0: Why can't I get the family and friends discount?
1: Maybe. We'll have to see well, though.
0: It was a blast. We shopped on Main Street, did a little shopping. I bought a hat from the uh pub and brewery. I had to get something. Um I got a new, uh, another new, uh, utility knife. For being as unhandy as I am, I have a great collection of utility knives, Danny. Like, I can't fix anything practically. Well, that's not quite true. I learned how to restore things last year and sand things and paint things, but like, in terms of, like, no one's gonna say, hey Brady, we need this torn, go bring out your, bust out your pocket knife, but I have like a good collection of pocket knives. Here's what I've realized. And I got a pocket knife. I got a true Swiss army knife. I got a Gerber pocket knife. I got a little one that I picked up at a, a store in Maine where or, uh, my brother lives over the border in New Hampshire. I got a little one I picked up at Waterbury Sports. I got all kinds of pocket knives that of course I rarely use, but I just find them cool. Here's what's bother here's what bothers me about the pocket mark, the uh, pocket knife market. Every pocket knife does something a little bit differently. So I need like a hundred of these things just to have a full set of things, right? Like, um, I got my Swiss Army knife, which is great. It has tweezers and it has a, a, a toothpick and it 's got knives and it's got but it doesn 't have scissors. I got other ones that got scissors attached to them, but don 't have the tweezers and the toothpick. I got other ones that have scissors, the tweezers, the toothpicks, and then don 't have the the one knife i 'm like have all these people talked together? and colluded to make their knife all have, like, 13 things but be missing one and have one different than everybody else's so we will not have to go and buy them all because that's what's bothering me about this. I got this new one has a wine thing on it, the thing that you would use to dig into the wine cork. I have never had a bottle of wine before in my life, but you would dig it into the wine cork and you twist it off and pop off the top. This is the only thing I have that has that, but yet it doesn't have tweezers. I'm like – we, we can't just have one universal knife.
1: I think a multi-tool does most of those things. Have you seen one of those?
0: I have a good, I have a good, the best thing I have is a Gerber one, but that's like not one I would carry with me or keep in the car. That's like if I had like a tool belt.
1: Does it flip into like pliers? Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's what I have. That one becomes pliers too. That, that one is like truly, like it almost, like it has a carrying case that looks like an old school cell phone. Like it's, yeah. like, it's a big thing. Yeah. And it's very, very good. But again, I wouldn't like carry it around like, in daily life. These knives, you know, I would carry around in daily life. But they're awesome. Like, I picked up one of those on uh, Main Street in Lake Placid. It has a Lake Placid carving on it and all that. Very, very cool. So, um, the other thing I did this morning in the hotel room was talk to Tom Karen. So, you're going to hear TC in a few minutes. TC and I spoke this morning. from the. I was at the hotel room in Lake Placid. He was uh, – On the backfields at Red Sox spring training. So you'll hear my interview with TC coming up after CBS News. But I had to use a different microphone, a different setup. So, you know, the interview is good. I sound fine, as fine as I always sound. But you'll hear the microphone sounds a little bit different than the one I'm using now. But, yeah, TC on the backfields at uh, JetBlue Park where I am at the, uh, you know, overlooking at the time the snow falling in Lake Placid. TC and I had a lot of fun. I am happy that pitchers and catchers have reported. As bad as I think the Red Sox might be, as dire as we think that it might be this year, to say that baseball is back makes me very, very happy. And uh, I, the Red Sox are going to be an interesting team. I don't think they're going to be a good team. They're going to be an interesting team because there's going to be a lot of young guys to follow. And Who are they selling off? Who are they acquiring? Are they bringing anybody else in here before the season starts? T.C.'s got some thoughts on that. I don't know if you saw this over the last couple of days, but Kenley Jansen going to be out for a week. Lap soreness, i never like to hear that. 36 years old with an injury history, that doesn't bode well for me here. Right as camp opens up, I don't like to hear that. And there's the rumors that Kenley might get traded. Kind of hard to trade a guy who's dealing with lap soreness and is 36 years old and makes $16 million. So there's all that. Danny, the uh, All-Star Weekend festivities, are this weekend? Well, we got celebrity game tonight with all the people we haven't heard of. They don't call it the rookie sophomore game anymore, do they? They've got some rising, rising
1: stars. I believe
0: that's what we call it. The is it called the Starry Rising Stars game these days?
1: I don't know who sponsors it anymore.
0: Okay, well, it used to be
1: Starry the, is the uh, three point shootout, I believe.
0: It used to be the rookie sophomore game. Um, we do have the. Uh, dunk contest with Jalen Brown tomorrow, the three-point contest tomorrow as well. So, And then the All-Star game, which I'll watch all of seven minutes of on Sunday. I do not need to see games be 178 to 174 or whatever. But, you know, that's what's coming up this weekend. So, TC, I spoke to him earlier. The Red Sox are at spring training. TC is there. His thoughts and takeaways coming next on the Brady Farker Show on DeV <laughs> Welcome back in, Brady Farkas, show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. You'll hear my interview with Tom Karen from Red Sox Spring Training in a minute. Reminder, we are up until 645 today. And then friend Curtis will have to call uh, high school basketball. Lamoille and Spalding will do battle again coming out of the wire here in uh, in Vermont high school basketball. Danny, you and I have a task this weekend, and it is urgent for the show. You and I need to figure out how to get Apple TV for the weekend. Actually, we need to figure out how to get Apple TV, period. So, um, you've probably read a lot about this on social media today. You probably have heard about this on NBC Sports Boston and Nesson, etc the Patriots documentary right this 10part docu series it's called the dynasty it's it's based off a book written by Jeff Benedict who we've had on the show before the 10-part video docu series with never before seen footage and never before conducted interviews with various Patriots personnel including Brady and Belichick and Robert Kraft that came out today it's kind of a last it's kind of it's not a last dance style documentary because it covers all 20 plus years of Brady and Belichick but It comes out in installments. The first two episodes drop today. Episodes three and four come out next Friday, uh, five and six the following Friday, seven and eight, and then nine and ten. So for five weeks, five Fridays, we're going to get two episodes a day. And it's supposed to be excellent. Now, I have avoided reviews on it. I was on vacation. I didn't want to go and fiddle around with it on vacation. I did watch UVM last night despite being on vacation, but I didn't want to go and fiddle with this. Danny, we need to watch this. We're going to talk about it on Monday's show, but we've got to figure out how to get Apple TV for the week. And yes, we could just buy it and we very well may end up just buying it. But, you know, I got so many Apple products and Apple's always offering you like free trials and hey, we'll take three months free of Apple TV. Well, I've used some of that stuff before. I got to think, what do I have of Apple that's new? That I could potentially use into getting us an Apple TV subscription without having to pay for it this weekend, right? So I got like, I got the phone, I got the, I got a Mac from Darhead services. I've got, uh, I got an Apple watch like a couple months ago. I'm trying to think, what can I use here to get a free trial? That is something that I want because Danny, that I is our. just need local.
1: an email for the free trial? Uh, we use your email and then we cancel and then we use my email and then we get how many episodes?
0: Yeah, I don't know that we're gonna be, you know, that, I think those free trials last like a week. We need, we need five weeks worth of stuff.
1: We need to collect listener emails.
0: <laughs> we'll create emails. and
1: Tom Carroll will give us his email. But sure. we're
0: going to, we're gonna have to watch that this weekend. So I'll do a little research on this and set up the account, but, uh, it's supposed to be excellent and we're gonna talk about, uh, episodes one and two coming up on Monday. And with nothing, look, there's not a lot to talk about next week, frankly. Right? NBA on all-star break still for a lot of next week. We'll have UVM. We'll have, um, you know, spring training. But, again, there's not a lot of new stuff happening. So this this is going to be a, a pretty big thing for us. So we'll do that next Monday. But, uh, again, Danny and I will have to do a little research and recon here over the course of the next couple of days. Right now, I want to go out and bring on Tom Caron, our Red Sox insider over at And I spoke to him earlier today from my hotel room in Lake Placid, and I lamented the fact that when I was talking to him, the wind chill was like one And he was in Fort Myers at spring training.
2: Yeah, uh, I I always say it's not really the full Fort Myers experience if your friends aren't miserable back up north. So, you know, it was kind of mild uh, last week up there. So I'm glad there's snow and cold and I can rub it in everybody's face.
0: Now, you used to spend some time in Lake Placid when you worked at Channel 5 and I'm sure covered a lot of events up here. The Olympic Museum is brand new since the last time I was here. We did that the other day. It
2: was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Very cool stuff. Underrated gem in Lake Placid. That's good to know. I have not seen that, uh, but I do love Lake Placid. Spent a lot of time there. Back when I was at Channel 5, uh, we used to go down and cover a lot of, you know, World Cup and 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 world uh, uh, competition events from, from luge and biathlon, the ski jumping, figure, sk- uh, uh, speed skating, a lot of really cool stuff. And then I, I've got to go back a couple of times with my kids playing in hockey tournaments. They bring teams from around, uh, b- the country in Canada, uh, in for tournaments. And it's really a thrill for kids to play at the 1980 rink mm-hmm. and, and to be part of that. It's, it's a great town. I love Lake Placid.
0: I love it. I, you know, I'm a sucker for quaint small towns with a sports feel to it so i think lake placid and cooperstown are like right up there for me in terms of places i love
2: you know the funny about lake placid and i love cooperstown as well but the funny about lake placid is again back in the day the the the, the mood of the town would change each week based on what athletes were in town <laughs> you know what i mean like as a figure skaters are kind of Quiet and the divas and you know and then the bobsledders would come in and there are all these you know crazy like you know speed junkies. Uh, it, it was really fun to see what what Lake blast would feel like on a given weekend based on who's there.
0: At the Olympic Museum, they they have a simulated ski jump, so I got a chance to see what that was like. That was pretty nuts. TC, you know, sixty. Miles I used to go
2: up to the top one hundred with a one twenty meter. And shoot video from the van, just standing up there. With the camera was nuts. Uh, I, you know, and I got to. I've gone down to the bobsled. I actually was in a luge race. Uh, we didn't go to the top. Obviously, it was a beginner's race. Uh, I finished fourth, just out of the medals, uh, and and still have elbow pain from where I smashed into the wall. Uh, but but the the luge is great. I I was like I did a lot of coverage of the luge. I thought the luge was about the coolest thing I'd covered. That was before skeleton. They didn't have skeleton back then, which is nuts.
0: There you go, Tom Karen, Sox Insider at NESN, with us here at the Brady Farkas Show. Enough about my vacation, which we've talked mm. about already in this show. Uh, let's talk about spring training, right? Red Sox are there. Pitchers and catchers have reported. The first workout has happened. Uh, your overall takeaway on the first few days of camp is what right now?
2: Yeah, it's you know, it's just more than anything else. It still feels like it's uh, incomplete. You know, I just you keep hearing trade rumors on different fronts. Uh, a lot of talk about the the, the Padres and, and maybe a Jaron Duran the last few days. I, I just, you know, with the number of free agents still out there, and this isn't a Red Sox thing. This is a Major League Baseball thing. I, I just think the Sox are one of those teams, and there are going to be several others who may make significant uh, changes to a roster before opening day. And I, I don't remember ever feeling that at the start of spring training normally you get here and you say okay this is the team let's go I I just feel that there's going to be changes by April
0: Alex Cora's press conference the other day was fairly interesting right he talked about his future said he wasn't going to manage for another 10 years talked about being checked out's the wrong phrase but talked about being a little bit I don't know kind of just a grumpier disposition last year a little worn down what'd you make of what Cora had to say on day one
2: well, I and I've talked to Alex one on one about this, and he's been pretty upfront about it. Yeah, well, he he put himself through a lot last year. You know, back to back last place finishes beat him up, and and we've always done this. over You go back and look at a manager or head coach at the opening day, and then go find video or pictures of him late in the season, and they always look like they have just been beat up, and and you know, Cora paid the the price physically last year, and he's come back twenty five pounds lighter or wow. so. He's running. He's in better shape. He's taking care of himself and his mental health and his physical health. And that's important, you know, and and especially with all of us asking every day about his future. He's gonna be on our show tonight, Red Sox and Fort Myers. It's on at six thirty on Nesson and he's sitting down with me for the show and, and we're gonna get into it all again. And he's gonna be asked about this every day, either until the end of the season or until he signs a deal. And uh, I I think it's important that he takes care of himself, but it was interesting to talk about how much he internalized everything last season.
0: Because he seems pretty content with the idea of not being a managerial lifer, do you think he even wants to sign a long-term deal at this point? I almost feel like going to free agency is something he would like, right? He either gets a lucrative deal here or somewhere else, or he eventually just walks away, which he seems okay with at some point.
2: You know, talking to him, he seems okay with it, but I don't think he's ready for it, right? I don't think we're there yet. So I do think there's sort of one more go-round. Is that a long-term? What's a long-term in a manager? Five years? Five years. You know, he's, yeah, so he's young enough. I, I think there's one more good crack at a five-year deal. Uh, the cement is legacy. Listen, he is an exceptional manager. I'm a, I'm a big core guy. I think he gets the most out of his players. I think he builds great relationships with his players. I think he does. Uh, a really good job of of filtering the craziness of Boston and the Red Sox experience from the clubhouse. Uh, I, I, you know, and this team, we know what the expectations are. They do anything this year. If they're, if they're better than 500, he's going to be manager of the year candidate. Mm-hmm. So it's a good opportunity for him to go into that, uh into that free agency and whether it's something he nails down here or something he nails down elsewhere, uh, I, I think there's a, a good run of managing still ahead for Alex Gore.
0: Kenley Jansen, week behind schedule at least, dealing with some lamp, with some, uh, lat soreness isn't going to throw until next week at the earliest. Um, you know, he says he's not worried about it, but when I hear, you know, 36 year old guy who's had some injury issues in the past dealing with something to start a camp, it at least, you know, it raises my antennas, TC.
2: Sure, sure. And, you know, his size, the age, all of that uh, leads into physical wear and tear. Uh, you know, there's also a, a lot of rumors about him being dealt, right? And and an injury, missing time is not going to help value uh, if they really are talking to anybody at this point. So, yeah, no, it's not a good sign. I, I mean, the good news is he'd been doing all his workouts. He'd been throwing, he, he's actually ahead of his schedule, he said. So missing the week should just put him really at schedule, uh, I, which I don't think is a big deal. But again, you don't like to ever hear an older guy dealing with any kind of injury.
0: Kenley Jansen trade rumors, Chris Martin apparently in trade rumors as well. So do you, do you think either of them can be dealt before opening day?
2: I think Jansen is a real good possibility because, if he'd be, you know, listen, he's an established closer. Put him on a team that's going to have a lot of save opportunities. He's, he's what, seventh all-time in saves, could finish the season third if he was in a place where he'd get 40-something saves. Um, will that be here? I don't know. And, and if it's the last year of his deal – is is a one year sixteen million dollar uh closer what what this team needs right now, or could they move him and get a young pitcher under some control i i I think anything is on the table right now, I really do
0: do we treat closers like running backs where they're just like interchangeable because we had Buster on last week, and he said, you know what's the point in having a high price good closer and I'm like, well I still like to win as many games as possible, so there's the reason to have a high priced closer on my roster. Are we just at the point now where closers
2: are interchangeable for the Red sox? The modern baseball philosophy is that that you don't need an established single closer right that that you're talking about pockets and the seventh or eighth inning might be more important than the ninth inning and and, and you want matchups and and, and, and while I'm sure that's all true, you still need the right guy in the ninth inning because there's no safety net. Uh, giving up the lead in the seventh inning is not the same as giving up the lead in the ninth inning and having the game walked off on you. Uh, we've seen that time and again. And so I truly believe, you know, you don't know what you got until you don't have it. Uh, it's easy to take a, an established closer for granted. But man, when you don't have somebody who can do, uh, the, the job in the ninth inning, that's, you realize quickly what a big void that is.
0: Tom Karen, Stocks Insider, and Sider and with us here on the Brady Farkas show. So the answer to this question is probably Garrett Whitlock. So other than him, who is in the best shape of their life? Who, who looks transformed over the offseason?
2: Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. So I'm trying to think through, um, you know, I mean, Chris Martin looks really good. You have an older guy. We were talking yesterday about how he takes care of himself. Big guy, right? Tall guy. But, but he looks to be in, in, in really, really good shape. Brian Bale looks like, you know, he's starting to look like a a, a man rather than, than a young guy who's coming into his own. I think he's done a good job sort of filling out in the off season. Um, Those are two guys that I would, uh, I would jump to right away. Nick Pavetta looks to be in really good shape, too. Nick Pavetta looks ready to go. Talking to him this week. Uh, I, You know, he's entering contract here. He's a guy who's had his service time manipulated, you know, first by the Phillies. Then when he first came to the Red Sox, they held him at that alternate training facility, if you remember, during the, the COVID year and, and didn't bring him up until they essentially got that extra year of control. That's the business of baseball. And he's been on the other side of it. Now he's heading into free agency. If he has a good year as a starter, he's going to make himself a lot of money.
0: What's interesting because if they traded Jansen and or Martin, there's a path to Nick Pavetta closer, which you have called for over the last couple yeah. of years. But given that he's in going into free agency, I can't see him wanting to be any part of the bullpen
2: again. Agreed. And, and given, uh, what I see on the starting rotation depth start depth uh, chart, they, they can't afford taking him out. You know, he's a guy who's given them innings. Uh, we're still second in innings last year, even though he was in the bullpen for two months. Uh, and, and so no, I, yeah, I, and I am a guy who has said, I thought it's emotion and his, 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 fire on the mound would, would make him a great closer. But at this point with this team, at this moment in his career, he should be a starter. I want to see him make 30 starts for the Red Sox.
0: There's probably not room for Crawford, uh, Houck and Whitlock in the rotation. Do you think the losers of those, of that starters competition go to the bullpen or? Do they end up in AAA where Cora said, like, we want established starters ready and, and waiting at the minors?
2: I think I think there's no doubt How and Whitlock are on this team. So if they're not in the rotation, they're in the bullpen. You can make an argument that if if, if Connor Crawford wound up being their sixth starter, they're better off having him start in Worcester, though he wouldn't like that. And And when you talk about this group, it's an important name to remember. And I keep hearing it brought up over and over. Josh Winkowski. Mm-hmm. He's going to get every opportunity to be a starter this year. They really like his stuff. They really like him. Uh, and, and he is a guy that I think if he didn't make the, the five man rotation would probably be in Worcester as a starter. Uh, and, and so if you had him as the, as the opening day starter in Worcester, you got better depth than I think we thought. But those are the guys, right? Houck and Whitlock, Crawford and Winkowski. I, I mean, they're going to lay it out. Two of those four could be in the rotation. Uh, where are the other two? I think that's going to be an interesting story.
0: TC, appreciate the time as always. We'll catch up from Fort Myers again uh, in five days, back to our usual Wednesday time slot next week. So thank you.
2: We'll have the full team working out, not just pitchers and catchers. So uh, we'll see what that means. But more to report next week <laughs> for sure.
0: That was Tom Karen, our Red Sox insider at Nesson from Fort Myers. Again, I spoke to him from my hotel room in Lake Placid this morning. I am back now. TC is still in Fort Myers and will be for the next month and a half as a Red Sox for its spring training. A lot of interesting stuff there. Uh, I'm not thrilled. I, I am not thrilled about the idea of trading Kenley Jansen, right? Like, I get it. I clearly get it. Again, I'm usually, for the 100,000th time, I'm usually Mr. Prospect Guy, Mr. Build for the Future. Why do you want a, a, an established closer on, on your roster? Because I want to win as many games as possible. Okay, I like when my team wins. And even though I don't think the Red Sox are going to be very good, and even though the projection systems don't think they're going to be very good, there is always a chance that you come out and surprise. There is always the chance that the Red Sox come out in the first month and win a bunch of one-run games and have come from behind victories and go 17-9. and And if you can do that in April, then you – you've given yourself a chance to be around it all season. So why would I want an established closer? Because he helps me win as many games as possible. Trading Kenley Jansen now represents a punt on this season again, and I don't want to punt anymore. I always look at it like this. You start the year, and if Jan- if the team is playing poorly and they go 9-17 and in April, then by all means go ahead and trade Kenley Jansen and go try to get You know some prospects for him. Hold on to the till the trade deadline and go get prospects for him. He won't do you any good come July if your team is you know 38 and 55. But you're not 38 and 55 right now. You're zero and zero. I would like my team to win. I hate the idea that they might trade him before the start of the season. I do find the Alex Cora stuff interesting. I think Alex Cora is in a phenomenal spot. He's headed to the final year of his deal. If he does anything, to TC's point, he's going to be looked at as a great manager here in Boston, even more so than he already is. If he doesn't do anything in Boston this year, it's going to be written off as, yeah, well, the organization didn't do anything to help you. So he's got a big contract coming to him one way or the other. It's either going to be in Boston to try to stay here, or someone else is going to come after him, and they're going to try to get him to manage there. And Cora said, like, I'm not going to do this forever. So if you're taking one one five year run at him, I think you're gonna get the very best of him. So I think Cora's in a great spot. Danny, here was Alex Cora earlier this week talking about his long-term future.
2: I'm not gonna manage 10 more years. I tell you that. Uh, I don't see myself being like Tito or Tony. You know, uh, I got two boys. I got a I got a daughter that you know she's a junior in college. So there's more. More in life than than baseball, to be honest with you. You know, this is a, a tough business. And I mentioned it three years ago. I read Guardiola's uh, book, you know, and he said that when you spend more than five or six years in one place, it can take a toll on you. And I think I got hit last year with that.
0: Now, that was interesting, right? T- uh, Cora basically said, like, I was worn down in general, but I was worn down here. So I wonder if Cora even wants to come back. Now, he's always going to give his all. He's always going to try to work with the guys the best he can. He's always going to give his all to the game. But I wonder if he even wants to come back. He's been here since 2018, minus the 2020 season when he was suspended, right? So he was here in 18. He was here in 19. He was here in 21, 22, 23. That was year five. And this will be year six. Maybe he doesn't even want to come back. I I think he wants to hit free agency. Again, he is in a great position. He's in a great position financially because he's going to get big money no matter what. Craig Council has reset the managerial market. Great position financially. And I think he's in a very good position in terms of he'll have a ton of suitors. And if he is tired of Boston, he'll have an easy way out, right? Free agent. Someone else will come call him. I don't know that he wants to come back. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. UVM men's basketball team with a win yesterday. Aaron Deloney, John Becker make history. we will tell you what they had to say afterwards next on DEV. Welcome back to the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Well, on vacation last night, I made time to watch uh, a good amount of both the UVM women's basketball team at home against Patrick Jim. They beat UNH, Lopsided Affair, won that game by 30. And then I also watched the UVM men who were uh, on the road at New Hampshire yesterday. Oh, excuse me, I had it wrong. The the men were at home at Patrick Jim. The women were on the road at New Hampshire. The men ended up winning that game by 16. Let's start with the men's game where two very cool milestones happened. Aaron Deloney got to 1,000 career points. He's the 45th Catamount ever to get to 1,000 career points. And then John Becker reached 300 wins. And I thought that... Um, very, very cool that those things happen together because I've heard Becker talk very, very highly about Deloney. He's talked very highly about Deloney to me, and I've heard Deloney talk very, very highly about Coach Becker and wanting to play for him and wanting to come back for his fifth year. He wasn't sure he was going to come back for his fifth year. He ultimately did, and I know that AD is very happy with that decision. The win moved UVM to 20-6 and six overall, their 10-1 and one inside league play, and Deloney had his best game of the season. He had 28 points yesterday, right? We've talked a lot. We talked to Aaron every other week. We've talked about his offense, how he's been struggling to find it a little bit from deep, and he's had games where he had three points, two points, seven points. But he had 28 yesterday, 28 points. You look at it this year, I mean, his previous high was he had 16 against Binghamton. That was the previous high. He blew that out of the water yesterday, getting 28. He goes 10 of 15 from the floor. He went four of nine from three, so Look, at least for one night, he was the best player on the floor at 28 points in 27 minutes. That's the second best point total of his career. I was at the game where he had 32 last year on opening night against Brown, which was unbelievable. But he was great. And I am very, very happy for Aaron Deloney. Look, he's a friend of the show. We enjoy talking to him. He's great for our show. He's great for our listener. So, yeah, I'm a, for our listeners, yeah, I'm sure I am a little biased in thinking about him. But I think that he is a great example of perseverance. And I've said this on the air before, and as he hits the 1,000-point plateau yesterday, Danny, I think it continues to be a story worth telling. Aaron Deloney could have left. Could have left multiple times. Could have been frustrated. Could have been disgruntled. And ultimately just kept coming back. And he has carved himself out. Not a good career. A great career. And that deserves to be noted, right? Think think about all the stuff you hear about college sports at the higher levels. Transfer portal. And guys leaving. And this guy doesn't get an opportunity. And that guy's not willing to wait. That guy was promised something. He's not getting it. So everybody in college sports is leaving. They're all leaving for greener pastures. And here was Aaron Deloney, who had a chance to leave multiple times and never did. right? Look at Aaron Deloney's career arc. right? He lives 3,000 miles away. In Portland, Oregon. He comes across the country to Burlington, Vermont. His freshman year plays in 31 games. Right? As a freshman, like, get some time. Average four points a game. You come in, okay, I'm willing to be a part of the system. Four points a game. The next year, that COVID year, right, or that that COVID compact season where they only played, you know, 16 games, Deloney doesn't even play in all of the games. Plays in just 12 games in that year. Averages 1.6 points a game. Scores only 19 points. As a sophomore, could have said, whoa, I came 3,000 miles to get less minutes than I got as a freshman? I came 3,000 miles to score two less points a game? I came 3,000 miles to not dress in some of these games? Uh Uh-uh. No, thank you. He could have done that. He didn't. What did he do? Instead, he came back the next year. Played in 30 games, won sixth man of the year. He He's... He's not the only guy in college sports like this. But he's one of the guys that I think about. Everybody's talking about leaving. Everybody's talking about transfer portal. Aaron Deloney's the guy who stayed. And that, to me, is a big testament to his character and a testament to UVM and their ability to keep themselves desirable, even when guys may not be happy. But three-and-a-half points a game to one-and-a-half points in a game to back-to-back American East players of the year, or, excuse me, sixth man of the year, to an all-tournament selection, I believe, last year in the American East Tournament, to being a double-figure-a-game scorer now, even with his struggles, he's still a double-figure-a-game scorer, had 28 last night. It's not easy. Now, yes, I understand Deloney had the benefit of an extra 12 games to get a 1,000 points. Right? It's undeniable that he's been aided by the fact that he's gotten the fifth year, the fifth COVID year. So there are going to be some people out there who say, well, yeah, he got a 1,000, but it took him five years. That's not, I won't deny that. But he is a guy who stayed when everybody else around college sports was leaving. And I find that commendable, I find that respectable, and he's continued to evolve in a lot of ways, right? You look at him, he is a guy who, you know, last year got to the line a lot more. This year, he's a guy who's last year shot, you know, he's shot 48 and 45 percent from three the last two years coming into this year. So always been a good shooter. Got to the line more last year. Looks to be a better ball handler this year. A better true point guard this year. And certainly a better team leader, right? Like last year it was Robin Duncan's team. This year, John Becker has called it Aaron Deloney's team. Big ups to him. We'll talk to him on Tuesday. And then John Becker as well. To get to his 300th career win. I mean, that's not easy. To get 300 career wins, you're talking about, you know, you're talking about what he does. 20 win seasons every year. And outside of the COVID year, John Becker has won 20 games, I believe every season that he has been here, Danny. And in a small conference, like you can dominate your conference, yes, but he's also winning games in the non-league to get to 20 games ever, 20 wins every single year. Incredibly impressive. And, you know, John Becker has stayed as well. He could have had chances earlier in his career to leave. I don't know that he's going to get chances to leave anymore. Right? Danny, think about this, right? We talk about college, we talk about football coaches. Everybody's looking for the young guy. Everybody's looking for the hot shot. Everybody's looking like for the, the relatable player or the relatable coach who relates to the players. They want the guy who's 28, who's 31. That's well, not John Becker anymore. He's no longer the hot new young candidate. Generally, people aren't looking for the mid-50s guy. So he very well, he may not get any more chances. But give him credit also. When he had those chances, he stayed. Right? We're talking about him maybe going to Quinnipiac a handful of years ago to make three times what he's making here. Maybe making a million dollars a year. Didn't leave. Had chances too, I'm sure. I know the job at Duquesne was open and they were interviewing him. Stayed. Credit to him. He's built something or continued to build something really Really special here. So, congrats to both of them. 802-585-3026. That is the text line number. You can get in with some thoughts on the UVM men's hoop team. Danny, uh, you watched the game last night also. Do you have any takeaways from the men real quick before I go to the women?
1: Just the offensive explosion in the second half, right? It was, it was close at halftime, wasn't it?
0: It was close-ish. Close-er. I, yeah, I think they had like.
1: Early on, it was pretty close.
0: It was close early. I think it was like 30, I think UVM had like 30. Uh, in the first half yesterday, I think they were up. I feel like they were up about eight. I'm gonna now. I'm gonna go through and pull up the exact box score again. But I feel like they were up 29-27. My bad. So they were up two at the half, but they did have near 30 points. Um, scored 41 in the second. Positive side, Deloney was great. Negative side, they continue to not shoot well from three. Now they hit 11 threes yesterday. They attempted 37. Danny, they were 11 of 37 from three. They took 37 threes and 22 twos. I do not like that balance. They made a lot. They didn't shoot well. They were only 65% at the line again. Um, they played excellent defense. Clarence Daniels very well might be the best player in this conference. They held him to 3 of 10 shooting and 11 points. So defense was good. Continue to be nervous about Matt varetto Played 23 minutes, 1 of 6 at the floor, just 4 points. You look at the shooting numbers for Varetto over the last handful of games, and they are really Really poor. Um so he hasn't scored double figures, Danny, since January eleventh in those games since then. Five points two of seven, six points three of six, seven points three of ten, five points two of seven, six points two of seven, eight points three of six, three points one of seven, two points one of six, four points one of six. In his last three games, he is three four twenty. They're gonna need better from him, undoubtedly. They're going to be better than him, undoubtedly, or better from him. Tech says, I know Becker is happy in Burlington, rightly so. I'd take him over some other high-level coaches any day of the week. Glenn in Brookfield says, um, great tribute to Deloney from a coach who coached high school and college for many years. You get it, Brady. Well, thank you very much. That's Glenn over in Brookfield. Again, I can't wait to talk to AD coming up on uh, on next Tuesday. Quick the women will be uh, taking on Maine tomorrow, and that game is going to be a Patrick, Jim. I encourage you to watch it. The American East on the women's side is a three-horse race. Albany and Maine are 10-1. and one. UVM is 10-2. and two. If UVM wins this game, they absolutely have a chance to get the one seed and host the, the potential championship of the American East Conference Tournament. If they lose this game and fall to 10-3, and three, I would say there's virtually no chance they could get the one seed. Right? Virtually no. So, if you're into playoff seedings and having a championship game on your home floor, tomorrow is a game for you to go to and certainly a game for you to watch. Maine is a very tough place to play at, and Maine really made it hard for UVM when they played up there to start the conference season. Right, I think it was the second conference game of the year. UVM really struggled, couldn't shoot. Outside of Kira Hansen, they couldn't hit anything from the outside. Utterback wasn't great. They're going to need everybody tomorrow. Maine is an excellent Excellent program, and they're only getting healthier, getting a couple key pieces back from injury over the last few weeks or, you know, got people that were out last year. Watch that game, 4 o'clock at Patrick Gym. That'll be a great one. I can't wait to watch as well. The men are at 3 on the road, tough place to play. The women are at home at 4. I'll be watching both. You should as well. Have a great weekend. Danny and I are going to figure out how to find Apple Plus, uh, Apple TV Plus to watch the Patriots' dynasty. High School Hoops is next. Go download the podcast on DV.